we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. God never promised there wouldn't be a difficult moment or a difficult trial. Um, but God is wanting to do some great things in us if we'll open our minds, our hearts to receive what he has for us. He's not going to force himself on us. He's not going to force his blessings on our life. We've got to be open to his blessings. My prayer today is that God would lead us through his word and that we would find something in our hearts to kind of get a hold of us. I, the Lord's just kind of changed my direction. Um, uh, I know we've had people come to one service and then come to the second service. And, and uh, if you come to the second service, I'm going to preach pretty much the same thing. I don't preach two different sermons to the early and to the late service because uh, we're one congregation. We might be meeting at separate times, but we're one congregation. But um, I'm making an exception to that today because the Lord's just kind of turned my direction around in between services. Um, and I don't know who this is for today. I, didn't, I don't know who all's here today. Um, I never purposely target anyone. So if this hits you today, it's the Lord that decided to do it because I had something totally different planned. Um, and if you know me, I'm a planner. I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a series preacher, and I, I usually go through and walk through what I've got planned. Uh, I was trained that way by some very godly people in my life that you never approach without being ready. Now, God can do whatever he wants, but you got to be ready. you got to be prepared. Um, but So this is a, one that was prepared, but uh, actually was prepared for next week. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, the Lord just kept leading me back to Acts 17 today, so if you want to look along, they'll bring, bring the house lights up a little bit more so you can read along if you have your Bibles or if you use your phone, whatever. Um, but Acts 17, verses 1 through 6, I'm reading through the uh, English Standard Version today, but it says, when Paul, when Paul and his company had passed through Aphilimus, or, or Philippos, Apollos and uh, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Uh, where there were where there was a Jewish synagogue, as was the custom, Paul went into the synagogues, and on th on on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scripture, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And so Paul had traveled to this area, and today I'm talking to you about breakthrough ministry. We. Everyone in this room is called to some kind of ministry, okay? Um, a lot of times when you hear people say you need to answer the call of the Lord in your life, we think from immediately that's a call to preach or that's a call to teach. But everybody in this room has a calling. And, and you know, and tell me God doesn't need good business people today. God doesn't need good, good lawyers and doctors and uh, nurses and teachers and you, you just fill in the blank. God needs people uh, to be faithful in whatever area. So if you're planning your career, let it be a calling, not a, not a uh, choice about what money can be. You can have all the money in the world and miss God's calling. And so choose what the Lord has for you, and you're going to be happy doing it. Amen. Uh, I love Charles Schultz. Anybody like him? He, was, he, he, was the, he authored a, a, a very intellectual theological thing called The Peanuts. Um, but Lucy, uh, in, in one of his cartoons, he, he wrote this. Lucy is, is seen saying that if, it was, uh, if she could change the world, she'd change everything. 
And Charlie Brown is asked, well, what, that wouldn't be easy. And Lucy started with, well, uh, looking directly at him, the first thing I would do without hesitation is I would start with you. Okay? Um, how many of us, we want to change the world, but we want to change it with somebody else? We, wanna, we want somebody else to change. We want, we want better relationship with our spouse, better relationship with our kids, better relationship with We want to change the world, but let's start with somebody else. Um, God wants to start where it really counts, and that's us. Um, it has been said by many and, and quoted by many uh, that Dwight L. Moody said, if you want revival, draw a circle on the ground, get in that circle and say, God, start revival in this circle. And there's very much truth to that and power to that. But I found out it's not easy for us to stay in the circle when the, when the attention's on us for change. Amen? It's not easy for me to put myself in a position to say, God, look at my life. Look at where I'm at. But it, it's a lot easier for me to blame somebody else for what's going on in the world, somebody else for what, what, what's going on in my own life, and say, Lord, uh, if, if they would straighten out, then my life would be better. And God's saying, well, you know what? Why don't we start with the one who knows there needs to be change, and that's you. And so today's message is about us having breakthrough ministry. I want to see breakthrough ministry in our local church. I want to see breakthrough ministry. And, and look, not every ministry that, get, that is uh, connected to this church is a ministry of this church. In other words, some people have ministries outside of this congregation, but they attend this church. My blessing is upon them. Go do the work God has called you to do. Amen. That's how I feel about that. But I also know that if we're going to have breakthrough ministry, whatever you're called to do in your calling, if if you're going to see something turn around, something change, um, because I'm going to tell you the bottom line is not how successful you are in your career. The bottom line is are you being salt and light to those who are around you and linked up with you on this journey, and are you affecting them for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I want to be an effective tool for the Lord. I want to see breakthrough ministry in 2021. How about you? And if we're going to see breakthrough ministry, it is going to come through us allowing ourselves to, to change, ourselves to to go through uh, uh, the process of allowing God to get a hold of who we are. We can all hear vision all we want, and we can all get excited about vision for, for a community, our vision for a local church, our vision for our ministry. But unless there is follow-through on our part, unless there is repentance on our part, unless we are seeking the face of God and, and saying, Lord, we need you to do work on me. I need you to work on my life first. Look, I can't lead this church if I'm not willing to allow God to change my life. Amen. In other words, I can, I can attempt to do that, but we're never going to accomplish what the Lord wants until I align myself with heaven. And guess what? You're never going to accomplish anything in your ministry unless you align yourself with God. And look, the Bible says judgment begins with the house of the Lord. It has to begin in us. God, in other words, we have to have change. I've been preaching this for months now because I really feel like last March, God began to say to the church, I'm not going to cause this thing to happen, but I'm going to use this thing to try to draw people's attention back to me. And look, we can do one or two things. We can curse the darkness or we can let the darkness take us into the light. In other words, by seeing where, hey, I don't want any more of this. I want to turn towards where the light is. I want to turn to where Jesus is. And I believe that when the church truly turns to where Jesus is, you're going to see a revival. You're going to see a, a great awakening. I, I do believe that if you came somewhere wanting to hear some story of gloom and doom, I'm not going to share that with you today because I'm going to tell you how this 
pastor believes. I believe that before the coming of Christ, before the coming of the Lord, that there is still going to be an arising of the church and the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit and we're going to see revival come through the land like we've never seen it before as the Lord says one more time, come home because I'm coming back. I'm fixing to return. Come on back. Get ready because I'm coming to get my church. I'm coming to get my people. I believe that day is approaching but before it approaches, I believe we're going to see a great revival. Change is a word that we don't like to hear a lot of times. How many of you enjoy change? All right, how many of you enjoy, I think I'm going to just change some things today. You know what, uh, I'm one of the rare people that probably likes to change some things around. Right now I'm looking, I'm saying, hey, I need to change some things in my office. I don't like the way it's set up. I'm going to change some things, um, you know. Um, that's just my, my nature. However, when it comes to certain things, I don't like change. I don't like my, inter- my how many likes their routine interrupted? How many's got a certain routine they go through every morning? Okay, most of you, it is an IV of coffee or, no, or you're no good to nobody. So, you know, I, in other words, when Tina and I first got married, she gave me a coffee mug. Still got the coffee mug. And uh, we'll be, hey, 25 years if the Lord helps us live to December. Uh, I've been with this lady. Um, but she gave me a coffee mug. I think we were actually still dating when you gave me that mug. But it said, just give me a cup of coffee and a donut and slowly back away. And slowly back away. In other words, be very cautious when you approach I think that we have flipped places in the years because now she's the one that doesn't like mornings. I get up, I'm ready to roll, man. I'm re- I mean, and she's like, I'm like, what is wrong with you? You ever done that to somebody that is not a morning person? I don't advise it. I don't advise it. But anyway, I was like, what is wrong with you? I'm not awake yet. I'm like, get out, Satan, get out. No, I'm just kidding. Anyhow, but anybody ever? All right, all right. I'm going to pay for that one. Anyhow, change is not a word we like to hear, is it? Change is not something we like a lot of times, but how many is change necessary sometimes? Uh, but again, as I've said, we, a lot of us are like Lucy in, with the peanuts. We, we want somebody else to change. We want to point the finger and say, if, this, if my boss would just get saved, my life would be a lot better. You know, if, 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 if my kids would just quit losing their minds for one weekend, I, I, my life would be a lot better if, you know, if, if this, if that, if that. And, 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 but as God begins to work on our lives, change is inevitable. Change is something that has to happen. Look, there's a lot of people that don't want change in America. I'm not saying the changes are going to be good, uh, you know, but I'm telling you, I, I, a lot of people are saying, I don't want to change this. I don't want to change that. I want to keep everything the way, it, the way it is. And that's just not going to happen because guess what? As this world moves closer to prophetic things, things are going to get shaken and turned upside down and change. Now, I want to read to you uh, out, of, out of Acts 17 a little bit more uh, today, and I want to talk to you just a little bit more beyond that. Then verse, let's just begin with verse 2. Then Paul, as the custom was sent, uh, was sent and went, uh, went in to them, and three Sabbaths he reasoned with them from the Scripture. In other words, he talked to them about this is what the Scripture really means, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had suffered and, ro- and, and, and uh, raised from the dead again, or raised from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you, he is the Christ. He was declaring to them, uh, again, the Jewish synagogue, he's saying this Jesus is who he said he was. He is the Messiah. He is what we have waited for. He is what we have hoped for. He came. He came. Now, you might embrace that message if you have never never heard of Jesus, but if you've been in the crowd saying crucify him, you might have a little bit of an issue knowing the guy that you just, you know, you just killed, he's alive. 
He's alive. And so they were troubled by this. And, and, and I, let's go a little bit further. Verse 4 says, And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of leading women, joined Paul and Silas. So all of a sudden we see the inauguration of the church into the Gentile world. All of a sudden the message of hope is beginning to be shared. And you better be thankful for that, because unless you were a part of the Jewish people up to this point, that's where it's only being heard. Now all of a sudden Paul and Silas are being missionaries to the Gentile world and all uh, I love it because all these Greeks and all these devout people they began to follow them and it said and a great multitude of devout people so all of a sudden people are beginning to hear it not necessarily accepting it in the synagogue but accepting it on the streets now follow that for a moment and then it says but the but the Jews who were not persuaded became envious took some of the evil men from the marketplace and get and gathered a mob set all of the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. This is where uh, Paul and Silas were, were, were at at the time and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers to the rulers of the city crying out these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And I just want you to kind of let that marinate in your mind for a moment in your spirit. These that turned the world upside down, now they've showed up here. Now, I want you to understand something, that, that when Jesus selected his team of ministry, he did not exactly select, in my opinion, the cream of the crop, okay? And, 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 and I'm going to tell you something. I'm thankful he didn't because that means he can use somebody like me, amen? But he, he looked at how many of you, if you're going to build an, a ministry team, you're going to select an IRS agent to be on your team? Jesus did. Matthew was a tax collector. So let's get a tax collector who was hated, by the way, by everybody. Everybody loves to pay taxes. Uh, how many of you get the, the overwhelming, warm, joyful feeling on, on April 15th that I do? Okay. That's called hatred and bitterness. But anyhow, um, no, so no, no, I don't know of anybody that loves to give away their money. Okay. Um, I, I, in other words, you get your pay stub and you see how much came out for federal income tax and Social Security, and you're just shouting all over the house, oh, look what I gave to the government. No. But this guy's on their team, so automatically everybody's kind of looking at him. You get a bunch of fishermen on your team. You get, you get people who, uh, as a matter of fact, they were not the elite of the elite. They were not out of the synagogues. They were not the uh, leaders in the community. These were everyday people in everyday places. And, and, and now all of a sudden, here's our first description of these men and women said, these who have turned the world upside down, they've come to our town, so we better do something and we better do it quick or they're going to turn our town upside down. All oh, that God would get a hold of the church in this hour and anoint us with fresh anointing, anoint us with a fresh spirit that we would turn Tryon, Georgia, Somerville, Georgia, Chattooga County upside down for Jesus. Oh my goodness, what would happen? That souls begin to get saved, not just in the church house, but in Walmart, in our schools, in, in, in our nursing homes. God would begin to work in the most strangest, unique places. As the people of God began to fulfill their call of breakout ministry, breakthrough ministry. They were, mis they, were not, they were mistaken about what had turned the world upside down how, how the way. They, they, they thought that Paul and Silas had done this. They didn't realize it was the good news of Jesus that turns the world upside down. You and I will never turn the world upside down. Going out here and preaching Harvest Worship Center can change your life. We will not turn this world upside down promoting any name above the name of Jesus. 
But when we lift up the name of Jesus, he is the world flipper, my friend. He will turn people upside down, and when he turns them upside down, it's so that they might get their life right side up and begin to see things the way they need to see them and have the change in their life that they need to have so that they, too, can begin to experience the joy of Jesus. Sometimes we have to be brought low in order to look up. How does the message of Jesus change this world? The first thing I want us to look at is how Jesus changed the world through, he, through himself. Until Jesus, the world thought that the only way to appease God was to live their life by a set of rules and religious uh, uh, edicts. In other words, as long as I hit the rule list right, I'll be okay. Anybody ever grow up in that environment that you thought if I got enough of the rules right, I'm okay? Okay, only me feel very lonely. Thank you. Two of us, three. Okay. There you go. If I get all the rules right, I'm okay. You may still be living by that. Hopefully before this day is over with, you're going to be set free. Amen. Until Jesus came, that's the only way we knew to appease God. If I can get it all right, I'm good. Matter of fact, Jesus ran into a man named the rich young ruler, thought that very same thing. He, he came to Jesus. He said, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He looks at him and he says, keep the commandments. He should have thrown, thrown his hands in the air up, started weeping and crying and saying, Lord, there's no way I can keep the commandments. How many of you have ever struggled just trying to keep some commandments? Now, if you can get the, all 10 of them right, you're still no good because there's, uh, let me read to you how many there are. There's are 613 different rules. Oh, oh goodness, bless her heart. I'm with you. I'm with you. Every one of us should be going, oh, goodness. But again, this young man says, hey, which one of the rules do I need to keep? So Jesus entertains and says, you know what, here's a few. And the young man looks at him and says, you know what, can you almost see him you know, arching his eyebrow, thinking through the list, going, check, check, check. And you know what, Jesus, I've done these. As a matter of fact, I've done all these since I was a little kid. And then Jesus looks at him and says, one thing you like to be perfect now, we got to understand there's only one perfect person that ever walked this earth, and his name was Jesus. Nobody else has ever come close. Nobody else will ever come close to walking perfect before the Lord except Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God. So you had the perfect saying to somebody, you don't think Jesus is a little bit sarcastic. One thing you lack to be perfect. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the Bible says he walked away sorrowful, for he had much. He had much. There's a lot of people walking away because they're afraid of if, they, if they surrendered their life fully to Jesus, it's going to cost them something. My friend, it's going to cost you something, but you're going to gain everything. You're going to gain everything. If you surrender your life to the Lord today, if you give everything over to him. In other, words, in other words, let me break down these rules for you. There are 365, one for every day, uh, uh, rules that, you, uh, that are called don'ts. Don't do this. There's one for every day. Aren't you thankful for that? That's a blessing. I'm being sarcastic. My goodness, 365, you better not do. But then let's add to it, there's 248 that you've got to do. In order to be right and perfect and righteous. Look, we all should be throwing our hands up. Then who can be saved? That's what the disciples ask of the rich young ruler after he walked away. They looked at Jesus and Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to, come to, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples look at him because they were impressed by this young man. Don't you think that the disciples got tired of eating beans? It's like finally somebody with some cash going to join the church. We got it made. 
And Jesus says, and he leaves. And they look at him and they say, who can be saved? If this guy doesn't qualify, then who qualifies God? He says, with man, this is impossible. He didn't say improbable, not unlikely. He said impossible. And the Greek word for impossible means impossible. Can't do it. With man, you can't do it. So what are you saying, Pastor? There's nobody in this room that can give enough, serve enough, love enough, do enough, be kind enough. I love it when you put your little sign up on your wall on Facebook, be kind. Well, yeah, that's a great thing to do, but you can't be kind enough to earn heaven. You can't be good enough to earn heaven. It's going to take the perfect one to do for you what you could not do for yourself. And he stepped into your mess. He stepped into my mess. He died on the cross and he said, now that which was separated from the Father, it's joined to the Father through my, through my Son. So He did for us what we could not do for ourselves and earned for us what you cannot earn for yourself. You can't earn heaven, my friend. But neither do I go around doing anything I want to do saying, well, I'm excused because pastor said I couldn't be perfect. 365 things I can't do. That's one for every day, so I guess I can do wrong one thing every day. No. Romans 6 says, shall we continue in sin that grace should abound? God forbid. How can those who are dead to sin continue therein? Just because there's grace doesn't mean that I don't try to strive to live a better life. I don't work to live a better life. Yeah, I need to be kind, but I need to be kind because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. I need to love more. Why? Because the power of the... Look, anybody ever deal with somebody you just couldn't love? Valentine's is coming up. I got you a good one for that. <laughs> Anybody deal with somebody that was unlovable in their life? Amen. I got, we have family reunions too. Come on. Anybody got that uncle, <laughs> you know, or that aunt or that cousin? <laughs> Anybody ever have your mom pull and you go, who is that? And they go, that's your cousin. Don't talk to him. They're crazy. <laughs> Some of y'all got names, don't, don't, don't. Some people are hard to love. Sometimes it's difficult. I want to share something with you. I will preach the truth, and I will preach it as hard as I possibly can and as straight to you as I can. I don't believe... I believe there's been too much sugar coating going on for way too long. But I'm going to tell you this. Don't ever think that I don't love you. Don't think I don't. I love you, but I love you enough to know that it is not keeping you happy that's going to get you to heaven. If you don't ever leave church mad because of something that was said, then you're not at the right church. I'm, I'm serious. If all you ever leave for is, oh, I love my church, it's awesome. Why is it awesome? Oh, man, I always leave there feeling good. Sometimes we need to leave feeling broken. Sometimes we need to leave hurting a little bit, realizing that we have fallen short and we need to step up. It's not always going to be wonderful. Amen? I've always said it this way, if you get mad at me, then you're just getting mad at the word. If you get mad, doesn't, isn't that a good indication it applies? Because, man, if it don't apply, I'm going to go out of here singing zippity-doo-dah. I ain't going to worry about it. 
But when it hits and you say, oh, well, you're always the one doing preaching, it comes through me to get to you. But, buddy, I've sat in some services and heard some preaching. I remember a few years ago I went to a youth conference, and at this youth conference they had this guy get up to preach. And he was a biology teacher, so automatically I thought, this is going to not be good. But he was called to preach, and he gets up, and he's got on this little old suit, and he's about this high, and he's from uh, New York, I think. And I'm sitting by my wife, and I'm going, who are, you know, I'm not telling the youth this. I'm better, I was better than that. But I'm whispering to my wife, who would get a guy like this to talk to a bunch of youth? And he starts off with a biology lesson. But when the anointing got a hold of his life before he left, this whole preacher was on his face. And I'm not talking about just a, a figurative word. I'm talking about I was on my knees with my hands in my face saying, Oh, God, please help me. Folks, there's going to come a point in our walk with God where we're going to... Look, if the last time your tears stained an altar was when you got saved 20, 30 years ago, you need to do some checking, and I need to do some checking because I'm here to tell you... Somebody made mention of this last Sunday. We had a wonderful move of God, and they made mention. They said, oh, I know this seems silly, but I love to look and see the tears all over the altar. So does God. So does God. God, I believe, what does the Bible says? He, he loves tears. Why does he love tears? He says, he gathers my tears in a bottle. That's what the psalmist said. My tears are a language of prayer to him. He, has anybody ever went to pray because your heart was breaking and you didn't know what to say? All you could do is weep. I got news for you. With every tear that, that fell from your eyes, God said, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I love you. I know what you're saying. I read every tear. I know the language. And I hear you, my son. I hear you, my daughter. I'm going to help you. Help is on the way. I just feel like somebody needs to hear that today. Help is on on the way for some of us. You've been praying, you've been seeking God, help us on the way. But they lived according to the yoke of rules. In other words, the message of Jesus, the resurrection, it was about the change, it changed all of that. No longer were they yoked to the law. No longer were they yoked to the rules that they could not fulfill. But all of a sudden, now the message of Jesus says, what? I came to fulfill that which you couldn't fulfill. I came to fulfill the law. And you say, yes, right, let's throw the law away. We, I don't even know why we read the Old Testament, Pastor. There's a reason you read the Old Testament, and Paul lays it out. He said, I thank God for the law, for it is by the law that I know I'm a sinner. Without it, I'd have kept on sinning, and I would have fell short, and and ended up in hell. But because of the law, I now know I fall short. I know that I, I needed help. And I help came through Jesus. And I found it. And this old Paul that was a murderer, a man that, that was enslaving the church, now is promoting it stronger than anybody. What a change he can make in a life. The Messiah that Paul was telling them about had changed everything. In other words, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Who was he talking to? He wasn't preaching to the heathens of the world. He was preaching to the house of Israel. And these were people who were devout in their faith and following in their religion. And he's saying, your religion has wore you out. You trying to pursue God and be perfect has wore you out. 
You trying to fulfill the law has wore you out and you are heavy and you are yoked and you are burdened, but I came to set you free. Aren't you thankful? He said, for though the Son is set free, is free indeed. He was preaching to the house of Israel. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of us, and I I don't know why God leads me back to this because I see it so much in my spirit. I serve a God that smiles. I serve a happy God. Have you ever met somebody who don't serve a happy God? They serve a God of the Old Testament. That's it. They serve the God of the Old Testament, the one that sat on the, you know. It's a scary book. Anybody ever read Exodus and thought, what a blessing. Look, if their kids wandered over the line into the holy ground, they were to be stoned to death. That's a blessing. No. That's scary. The Bible says they gathered before the mount of the Lord and lightnings and thunders and, and were coming out of that mountain. It was God's presence was upon the mountain. He wasn't a mountain. He was upon the mountain. It said that when he would move, the rocks would begin to split in two. I mean, you're talking about landslides. You're talking about, and they, they set up a barrier around the mountain. He said, look, stay outside of it. You're not clean enough to come in here. You don't dare do it without first going through the process. I tell you to go through then and only then can you come forward. They were so terrified by that offense that the nation of Israel said, I, we don't want to hear him speak to us again. Moses, you take care of that. You go find out what he has to say and you tell us and then we'll obey it. They were so scared of the presence of God. Now you have God made flesh in the, in the form of Jesus and he's looking at him and saying what? You think he did it this way? Oh, let's get a good preacher voice. Which one do you want today? You want, you want, you want the good old time hacking voice? And he said, come, ha. No, I won't go there. You ever grow up in that? I did. You know what I did as a teenager? I counted how many ha was in the message. I couldn't tell you what he preached, but there was 138 ha. Oh, you know you did it? Oh, maybe we get to be a little formal. He said, come to me, all you. You know, you got to do those highs and lows. Those are really good, too. What about Jesus came to them and did this? You know what? Come to me. All you who are heavy. It's heartbreaking for a people who were so religious they couldn't see what they were worshiping anymore. Come to me all you are, that are heavy and weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. You, or, or, or take my yoke upon you. In other words, I'm going to switch things up here. I'm going to give you my yoke. For those of you that are younger, he meant oxen being tied together or, or, or mules being tied together to plow a field. It was a wooden yoke. Their heads went through it. They couldn't go one way without the other one going that way. And he's saying, I'm going to switch out that old heavy yoke for my yoke. Because you're weary, you're burdened. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Listen to the heart of God this morning. 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is teaching the crowd what they have never heard before. My yoke is easy, Jesus would say. No longer will you have to worry about the burden of the rules and the regulations because guess what? In just a short period of time, I'm going to take everything of the law and I'm going to fulfill it. And I'm going to fulfill it till there's nothing at the end. I love the fact, I've shared it many times and referenced the Gethsemane, the battle for the cross was not one on the cross it was one in Gethsemane three times Jesus prayed let the cup pass from me what is the cup the cup is described in the book of Isaiah which is the cup of wrath that God wants to pour out upon the disobedient world because remember he is the God God the Father that's holy and righteous and true and just and, and he cannot tolerate sin in his presence but Jesus he put my sin the Bible says he became sin that knew no sin Oh my goodness. So when Jesus was in the garden, all of your sin, all of my sin, all of our failures, it was put upon Him. And when He says, I don't want this cup, I want it to pass, He wasn't talking about some figurative cup. He was talking about the cup in Isaiah, the cup of God's wrath. He's saying, I don't want to experience your wrath, God. Father, I don't want to go through it. But my friend, he not only experienced it, he got up after praying three times. He went to be tried. He was convicted by falsely. He was crucified. He died. He rose again. So he not only took the cup and drank of it, he drained it dry, put it down upside down and said, it is finished. They are saved. They are redeemed. If they'll come to God through me. You can't get saved without him. You can't get right without him. Let me just blow up some teaching that's going on in the Christian world today. I do not and never will acknowledge uh, anything but the doctrine of universalism as of hell and of the devil. The doctrine of universalism says when he died on the cross, everybody got saved whether they wanted to or not. That's taught. I got news for you. That is contradictory to, its, to this, which says no man can be saved except through the Son, Jesus Christ. It is contradictory to the Word. It goes against the teaching of God's Word. So you're not going to get in just because He gave His life. You're going to get in because you come to Him and you say, I'm heavy, I'm burdened, and I need you, Jesus. You're the door. You're the path. You're the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me you can't be good enough truthful enough honest enough and moral enough you need Jesus I want us to stand I wonder how many of you are like me and you're ready to see real revival real revival a real move of God in our families. A real move of God in our community. A real move of God. How many in this room are like me and saying, God, I don't want to go through the motions of worship. I don't want to go to church and just say, oh, went to church. But when I go to church, I want to know I've been in the presence of you. And let me just say something about being in the presence of God. When we come into the presence of God, it is going to bring to light the things that are not like Him. I think it's a lot of times why we avoid prayer. 
Because when I go into the presence of the Lord, I am in the presence of the perfect. And guess what? My imperfections are going to show through. No matter how good I've been that week. (laughs) When we are held up against the light of heaven, whatever's there shows through. If I had a white cloth and I held it up in this room and I said, look how clean this is, and you looked at it, you would say, yes, that's clean. Look how perfect this is. You might say, hey, that's perfect. But if I was to put a spotlight behind that cloth, every imperfection, every stain that is hidden would be seen. So when I go into the presence of God, everything that is not like Him is revealed. But He gets... You know what the hope is, though? He doesn't reveal that to leave me feeling bad. He reveals that so that he might forgive me and correct what is wrong in my life so that I can keep on walking towards heaven. That's the beauty of walking with God. A little dab won't do you. Amen? I don't know if anybody's in this room that has needed the cross more than one time in their life. I got saved when I was eight, but I've been back to the cross. I can't even count how many times to say, God, forgive me, cleanse me, help me. Lord, today I've fallen short. Today, Lord, as I stand in the light of your glory, I see things that are wrong, that are not like you. God, I have things in my life that are not pleasing and not according to your word. Will you correct it? And the Lord takes his blood and he washes it till it's as white as snow. I still believe in a God that saves, heals, and delivers us. But I also believe that we have to want it and we have to pursue it with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds. Jesus replied in verse 37 you must love the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind this is the first and greatest commandment the second is equal to it love your neighbor as yourself the entire law all law demands laws demands and of the prophets are based upon these two commandments in other words Jesus was asked what's the greatest of all the commandments he said first of all you got to love God the second thing is you got to love people that's, that's breaking it down as simple as I can today. Love God, love people. He said, guess what? Everything hangs. Everything. This entire book hangs on, that, on those two commandments. To love God and to love people. I cannot truly love God without loving people, and I can't truly love people without loving God. Anybody need God's help to love somebody? Amen? Anybody need God's assistance in some of those areas? You need it. I'm going to tell you, if we will allow the Lord, He can fill our cup so that when we leave this place, we're loving God and we're loving people and we're doing what He says and that we will begin to spark revival. Where do you want to see revival this year? Hopefully, beginning here in you. I want us, if we could, to take a moment, bow our heads all over this room. I know some came to witness baptism, and we're going to do that in a moment. But I feel like God's got some things He might want to do before that. Maybe you're in this room today, and you're saying, Brother Phil, I've never been saved. I don't know the Lord as my Savior, and I know I need Jesus in my life. If that is you, I don't pull people to the altar. I'm not going to come back there and grab you by the hand. But if that is you, 
I just want you, while everybody's head is bowed, every eye closed, just to acknowledge it by raising your hand. Pastor, I need to be saved. I know I do. There's somebody in this room needs to obey. I'm telling you. I, I need to be saved. Thank you. There's some others. You can put your hand down once you raise it. There's some others. Come on. You want to be saved. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Thank you. There's some others in this room. Let's obey the Lord this morning. God's Spirit's moving in this house. If that's you, just slip your hand up, put it right back down. I need to be saved, Pastor. I need to get right with God. I don't, I don't think I'd go to heaven right now if something happened. I, I want to be saved. Amen. Now, you may be in this room and you've been saved, but it's been a long time since you felt the power of God in your life. It's been a long time since you felt the love of God in your life. If that is you and you're saying, Pastor, it's time to get back on the right track. It's time to get my life realigned with what God's purpose is. I'm tired of just dancing around the corners saying I'm saved and I'm good. Well, I know that I'm not good. I need to get back where I need to be with God. If that is you, I just want you while no one's looking around, slip your hand up, put it right back down. Thank you. There's some others. Come on. There's some others. There's some others. Come on. There's, there's hands all over this room. Uh, there's some others need to raise your hand. Just that physical acknowledgement of a spiritual choice today. I'm raising my hand because I want to get back to where I'm supposed to be with God. I want to get back to the cross. I want to get back to loving Him so that I can love people. I want to love God. I want to love Him with all my heart, soul, and mind. If you raised your hand today, this is the toughest part of all of it. I'm asking you, if you would, to just come forward and find a place to kneel this morning. There's no judgment in this house. Everybody in this room has had to come to that cross. There's others that need to come. Who knows? They may follow you. But there's some others. Come on. You raised your hand. You want to get saved. You raised your hand. You want to rededicate your life. Then you come right now. Pastor, I, I, you just pray for me. I always pray for you. But there's somebody that needs to respond with a physical move to this altar right now. Come on, God. I don't know why you wouldn't. God's ready to do a work in your life. I don't know why you wouldn't. God's ready to change who you are and for the better. I'm here to tell you he's ready to move with revival, but that cannot happen unless we first make that move towards the cross, make that move towards the Lord. It cannot happen until we do that, until we do that. Come on, there's some others in this room. There's some others in this room. Make your way to this altar. Find your place to pray. That's the most important thing you'll do right now is seek the face of God in this house. Oh, there's some others. Come on. You raise your hand, you feel the conviction of the Spirit saying, come on home, come on back to me. I love you. I died for you so that you can have the strength. If you don't want to come forward, maybe you feel like social distancing is what you need to do. I understand that. Will you just pray where you're seated? Will you or where standing? Will you just begin to ask God to say, God, I rededicate my life. God, I ask you back into my heart. I ask you, Lord, to, to rekindle my first love. Lord, I just ask you to do that in me right now. Will you pray that? Come on, all over this room. All over this room. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's people rededicating their lives this morning. There's people right now, they're getting saved this morning for the first time. Folks, we got a reason to pray right now. We got a reason to celebrate right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing right now in this house. In this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There may be somebody watching online. You're sitting at home. You need to make that move right now. Kneel at your seat. Kneel at that couch. Kneel at that kitchen table. God's there, too. Oh, my goodness. God's there, too. God's there, too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship. Let's celebrate. Let's pray for these that are in the altar.
We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.